Greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of We Talk Photo. I'm John Peterson, one of your hosts, and with me is Jack Graham. Hi, everybody. Hey, Jack. Happy day to you. Happy podcast number seven. Happy podcast number seven. Yeah, we're keeping it rolling, which is good. Yeah, it's which is awesome. And speaking of uh, numbered podcasts, if you guys are tuning into this one and you didn't hear our previous one, suggest you take a listen to it. It was with Mark Lewis from ProGrade Digital, the makers of uh, memory cards and readers. And it was a really fantastic interview with him. I was really, uh, really happy with everything that he brought to the table, the information that ProGrade is, uh, what they're producing this day and age. And it was just a great, great podcast for me. So for those of you who haven't heard it, uh, if you haven't heard of ProGrade, they're relatively new on the block and they're only making really super premium product and mark will explain all of that uh i'm not going to go through it here listen to it like john said you'll get why we had him on um it's very informative and educational yep yep Yep. absolutely outstanding and just one other quick blurb reminder um go ahead and subscribe to the podcast catch all of our future episodes and we're available on all the major services you know apple android stitcher all that kind of good stuff so don't forget to hit the uh hit the subscribe button so today's episode jack and i we're gonna just have a, a conversation about a variety of different topics some news uh some gear some recent trips that we've been on and uh so it's not one particular topic just a lot of little ones for you guys to tune in with and uh so we'll go ahead and get started and i'm leaving on sunday on easter sunday i'll be flying from seattle uh where it's been in the 50s and raining to the smokies in tennessee to do a workshop where it's in the 70s and nice and warm uh, I am taking my little portable microphone with me, and you never know what other workshop leaders I may run into out there this time of year. And maybe uh, we'll have another podcast with some guests next time. You never know. Do some remote podcasts. That could be fun. Yeah. On the road. On the road, yeah. And then coming up, uh, uh, we'll be back in the Olympic National Park here pretty soon in a couple of weeks. We will be back. Boy, I tell you, we hit it last weekend. Um, it was raining, uh, wet, and beautiful. It was just lush, green, amazing. Some great stuff. For, For those of you who've never shot up in the Olympic National Park, and more specifically the whole rainforest with the moss and the foliage up there, what you want is wet, rainy conditions, and the colors just pop. And it amazes me that I see people from other parts of the country, other other leaders, uh, coming up here in August. I, I they might get a sunset if the uh, if the uh, what do you call it if the marine layer doesn't come in. But boy, to go to rainforest in the summer, I, I just don't get that. No, just, everything oh. gets dry and brown, and it gets pretty ugly in there. And so spring for sure, the best time to shoot it. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was great. So uh, we'll be up there again in uh, when in uh, I guess it's the second weekend, uh, second week of May, right? Yeah, yeah, second well, week of May. Might have an opening or two for that. I'm not sure, but um, rate, we're back in the spring in the beautiful uh, Olympic National Park. But anyway, um, let's uh, move on here. Indeed. So just, uh, you know, a couple of news topics that caught my attention today was uh, I recently read an article that Canon is uh, laid off a bunch of workers from their U.S. headquarters as well as shutting down a service center over in the East Coast. And I just wonder if that's a, a, a portend or a sign of, of bigger changes sort of in the photo industry from Canon. I thought that was kind of an interesting little piece. Uh, You know, what they said was they were potentially going to devote more resources to the medical imaging division. But, you know, what's going on with with DSLRs and the whole photo biz? It's uh, we're we're in this great time of change, I think, right now. Yeah. Yep. They're putting money where they need to put it. Yeah, uh, which makes sense. I mean, they're a for-profit company for sure. Yeah, but it's it's hell on you know us who need service once in a while, and uh, it makes it tough. But I don't know. We'll hope for the best, and hope it's not catching for the other brands. Mm-hmm. Yep, we need to keep the industry uh, healthy, wealthy, and wise. One other well, little. Oh, go ahead, Jack. I just said wealthy. What about wise? It's... All right, I'll take wise. Moderate wealth and wisdom. Yep. Maybe I was a little, uh, this is a little bit old news, but I uh, I saw that 500px is now owned by a Chinese group of investors, yep. which I didn't know. I For some reason, that news slipped my, slipped my radar when it happened about a year ago. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting that, that they bought up that. The reason that came to light is is there was a news article that uh, they had claimed ownership of that photograph, the first ever photograph of a black hole. And through an exchange with somehow that image got posted up there and then they claimed ownership to it. And uh, they've since rescinded all that and made things right. But. But it was just kind of an interesting, you know, when we post images up to these groups, uh, you know, Flickr, 500px, there's all these inherent rights that they have, as well as the rights that we have as well to our images. But, you know, we've we've always got to be a little bit cautious about uh, about where we put up our images. It's the it's the price of uh, of of the digital world these days and. You know, you have to, you have to figure out it's going to happen. I, I had a couple images uh, that were used without my permission on uh, some camera bag hang tags. Um, I had to deal with that, and you know, it's just the way it is. So I, I would suggest that you know that going in, and uh, you know, uh, just understand that one of these days you, you're going to have some images stolen, probably, and. You're going to have to deal with it, you know, and uh, uh, I don't know what happened with that, that, that 500px situation, but um, they, the fine print you know, on all these sites, whether it's Facebook or whoever, pretty much tells you that, that uh, buyer beware, um, and you just need to know that going in. And I don't worry about it too much because most of the images I post 
uh, on these sites are so damn small that you know they can't do a whole lot with them anyhow. So, um, yep, Every, everything I put up is extremely low res, and I just look at it as the you know it's kind of a price for publicity. It's like an advertising cost that we have to spend. I mean, we give up some stuff when we post images up there. And, because they they need to drive some revenue for themselves as well, more than just ads, and they need to protect themselves. So it's just a little bit of the price that we that we pay when using social media. So, yeah. well, the real the reality is, if you want to uh, really protect your work, you need to go through the copyright office and and do it that way, putting your name and your little copyright sign on. Uh, on your image uh, is not uh, is not really going to help you a whole lot, um, but the copyright office of the uh, United St- United States Copyright Office, you know that's the way it goes, and that's really what you you need to deal with. Um, I know that Nampa has been a, a very proactive on their website. You can read a whole lot about copyright. Uh, I think Photo Shelter might have some PDFs on that, mm-hmm. uh, what have you. But um, you know, just just you know, buyer beware. Uh, um, you know, fa- fair is fair use is not the same as free use. You know, and uh, you just have to have to have to look out. Uh, That's a great distinction. So kind of switching topics a little bit. I I was chuckling to myself on Tuesday this week. So spring obviously has come to Oregon and to Washington. And and, uh, without without coordinating at all, we both found ourselves in the tulip fields on Tuesday. I was texting you and you were texting back. And I was down in Oregon in the tulip fields. And you were up in Skagit, Washington, up in the tulip fields. And um. I think you spent a couple of days up there. I just spent a day because my tulip fields are fairly close to home, which is great. Um, but the thing that, you know, the thing that amazed me being out in the fields, the fields were gorgeous. I mean, they were about 80, 85% in bloom and they were just beautiful. Wasn't the best day photographically just because of the wind and the, and the um, sun. Uh, I had broken clouds, so it wasn't the best time, but the, the, the amount of people that come out on a Tuesday morning, people, it's a Tuesday yep. morning. And the fields where I was at were packed with people. Packed in Washington as well. But by 11 o'clock, we got there a little bit early and it was, uh, it wasn't the worst thing in the world. In fact, it was, in fact, it was pretty nice. Oh, good. 11, it was really packed. I, I, I would say being up there in the weekend, is uh, is probably not conducive to making anything worthwhile photographically. But, you know, wherever you folks may be living, I'm sure you have some similar similar uh, locations um, that, that may be tulips, that may be something else, I have no idea. But it's becoming increasingly um, frustrating to try to make photographs. More so to me, because um, you've been doing this see, forever. Yeah, well, no, I mean the <laughs> problem is, yeah, the problem is, is that these areas, and, and I, I, you know, I don't know whether it's because of social media, or whatever, but 
these areas are being destroyed, yeah, um, trampled, and 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 you know, I, I, I mean, who am I to tell somebody? Maybe I should. I should tell them to to get off the fields, but I, I don't know. Their kids are running around, and I guess if the owners of these fields that are growing these bulbs don't care, I, I have no idea. I I was reading last night that in uh, in uh, California, Holland, no, no, well that too, but in Holland. This weekend, they're expecting 17 million tourists. Oh my gosh! Where the where the on the Dutch coast, where where a lot of the, the tulip fields are over there. Yeah. And well, he, he, you know what? It's all Instagram. It's yeah. all it's all social media. It's driving just like people are driving people to the southwest and all the national parks and everything else. It's 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 uh, what's going on. And you read about what happened in Southern California. Oh Walker. yeah, all the all the areas that were closed during that super bloom, and people just climbed fences, blew through barriers, and trampled. They went off the beaten path and trampled all of these flowers and ruined the quote everybody was else. Crushed, I think the quote in the paper was crushed flowers and overflowing toilets. You know? and, and that is social media. Even even the fields down where I was at, right? There was there's dozens and dozens of signs that say, "Stay on the path, stay out of the rows of flowers." But these people wanting to take selfies and pictures of one another, they would just walk through the rows of flowers, regardless of the sign. It's not about what's right or what's great for the common good. I want my image of me in the flowers. That's what they're thinking. And it's, it's just aggravating. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty disheartening. I, I think I mentioned in a podcast a few uh, weeks ago that when I did my permit for Mount Rainier uh, for my commercial use authorization, I had to take a test um, done by the we the leave no trace people, and I said to the ranger, I said, "This is great." I said, "Photographers are usually not the problem. The problem is, is the is the hordes of tourists. They ought to be taking the test. It's a pretty mm-hmm. scary. You should pass a test before you can be allowed access to the area. You know, so just folks, I I I think you know most of the people who listen to this podcast are photographers and I, I, I think for the most part we're a lot more respectful. Yep. But if, if you see somebody, you know, you know, these these little plants are pretty pretty fragile. It doesn't take all a lot. You know, maybe you just wanna go over and hit them over the head with your tripod and tell them to move. <laughs> yeah, or throw throw dirt clods at them. That's the other thing too. <laughs> but you know, kinda of why I bring this up today was it, it sort of got me thinking as I was out there with all this craziness around me is you know, how do you block out all of these yokels and all of this nonsense that's happening around you well, John, to try you, to be creative. It's, they have it, a right to be there. I mean, they, you know, you, but how do you deal with it? You, you, you know, you either have a lot of patience, you either get there early, yeah. or, uh, you know, maybe content aware. I, I don't know. It, it's just... Well, even just for, for me, it was more of the mental exercise of how do I get into that creative mindset 
and ignore all of that stuff around me. And it was a, it was sort of an interesting test or interesting exercise to, to block all these people out and just focus on my art and, and my creativity, what I was doing to try to get into that zone so I could produce some, some meaningful images. So it was interesting. Make a note of that. Sounds like a good topic for a future podcast. Indeed. Indeed. So, so tulips up next for us. We have a we have a great iris farm down here. So lots of flowers, lots of wildflowers in the Columbia River Gorge, balsam root, lupins. So it's a great time of year right now to be a photographer up in the Northwest. At Tom Paul Preserve, uh, I don't know what the conditions are right now, um, but soon, if you go out eighty four, I think it's uh, past Hood uh, Hood River. There's a Nature Conservancy Preserve, they're called the Tom McCall, who used to be a governor in Oregon, preserve, and it overlooks the uh, the river looking toward the Washington side. It's really a cool place to be if it's not too windy uh, in the morning um, for sunrise. Yeah, it's sure. great, great. That conditions are really good, you know, at least up here in the Northwest. I, as you'll, you'll find it. You don't know where it is. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fun place to be. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's talk about gear a little bit today, Jack. Um, you know, there's been one topic that's sort of been rattling around in my head, actually, since you and I were in Alaska a couple of years ago, and it's related to tripods. And the you know the rhetorical question in my head is, you know, are they still necessary? When you think about the high ISO capability of cameras today. Do we really even need tripods anymore? Can't we just bump the ISO up? We've got image stabilization. We could shoot up, you know, around 12,000 ISO if we want. Um, are tripods even necessary anymore? And so that was just kind of a discussion topic I wanted to throw out to us. Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. I and agree. So um, in a year from now, or maybe two years from now, you know, uh, either we're going to be pulling stills out of video or we're going to have ISOs of 56, 128, uh, uh, 6. Usable, uh, usable use- images at that ISO. You know, right now, 12.8 is usable if you're shooting uh, subject matter that is not uh, real smooth. In other words, not too much sky. Because you do get some noise, um, and it, it, it's, you can sometimes remove it, but it, it's not pristine, but it's usable. That's, it, we use it when we photograph the bears, or at least I do, mm-hmm. um, when they're around in a river. Um, but every uh, every sensor that's produced gets better and better and better. But I have to tell you that we still need tripods. And, uh, you know, the real reason, why, why do you think... We need tripods. To hold our camera up when we're not taking pictures? No, it slows us down. <laughs> if nothing else. Say that, say that again for if us. If nothing else, it will slow you down. And I'm going to tell you, those of you who have been with me on workshops have heard this, but there is nothing you can do to improve your work more than slowing down. And if it's Begins using a tripod. Guess what? We use a tripod. 
The downs or the the flip side of that. So I totally agree with slowing down, but I think the flip side of that is tripods can also anchor you to a specific location. Yeah, and and that's kind of the danger that that as photographers we don't get up and move. We don't we don't move that little six yeah. inches or a foot to the left or the right but, to improve you know, our what, composition. What if the lights changing like crazy and the weather's changing like crazy? And, uh, you know, you need to run around. And that's happened. And I've told my people, ditch your tripods. Let's, we have to move this way, this way, this way in a hurry. And we can't deal with it. And we, those are probably exceptions rather than the norm. But there are times that we had to do it. And there are places you can't take a tripod. You know, in Japan, when we go out to shoot the, the Stellar's uh, Sea Eagles, and, uh, and such on these boats, you can't have a tripod. In there. Mm-hmm. And, um, certain places we go, you, they don't allow tripods, so we have to do the best we can. And like you said, the IS image stabilization, you know, and 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 uh, and high ISO performance, it sure is better than it was, you know, it is. three four it years is. ago. But you know, it, I I think uh, a little thought came to me as you were saying that too. And those these some places where you can't use tripods, you know, we have to have good technique hand holding. And some people, you know, me, I don't hand hold as much as I maybe should to be at my peak performance doing that. But you know, being being aware of practicing your hand holding technique is also a great idea. Well, I'll tell you one little tip: if you're going to hand hold, um, put your Set your camera to consecutive high where you're going to shoot a burst of images, maybe five to seven images. One of them is going to be sharper than the other five or six. Guaranteed. And it might be the third or the fourth, but one one of those five or six will be sharper than the other five or six. So shoot a burst off when you handhold. And use the highest ISO you can. You know, that's... That, that's the answer but you know uh, tripods are important i think and, they are you know and if if uh any of you all listening out there want to want to send us in your uh opinions on tripods are they still necessary or not love to uh love to get your feedback on that topic as well well you know what my buddy fortney says he says there are two kinds of tripods ones that are easy to carry and good ones good ones yep yeah, there's but, a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of these little, some of these little tripods that are coming out these days. You know, they're they're not half bad, they're not half bad. Yeah. So what? Uh, so let's talk about some other gear. There's a couple of things that uh, that you've discovered, Jack. That uh, you found through your work that that work or, out or, really or, really well. I, I, you know, believe it or not, most of the stuff. I mean, it may look like I'm, uh, you know, like this really smart person but i'm really not um i learn i'm constantly learning and i'm learning from my attendees i'm learning from everybody so uh, a couple of things i picked up that are a little bit you know maybe non-conventional it's not we're not going to talk about you know this new lens or this new camera or whatever just a couple little things that I, i use that may help you guys out too um I have, a, I have a good friend of mine who is not uh, in the photography business, though so he's a pretty fair photographer. And he and I uh, have known each other for a lot of years, and we both like to listen to vinyl records and, and wash our vehicles, that kind of stuff. And we were kind of looking for the 
be all and end all of microfiber cloths. So I think we found it. And I have to give uh, credit to Dale, Dale Sprague, a friend of mine who found this cloth. And it's actually a detailing cloth made by 3M. Um, that is sold to car detailing people. It's, it is the softest microfiber cloth I've ever found. I found some that are close, but not as close as these. And you can buy them on Amazon. You can buy a box of them, a, a bag of them for about 20, I think it's about 23 to $24. Um, the microfiber cloths that you buy in the camera stores, and you got to be careful because a lot of them, all they do is move water around. They don't absorb. These absorb, and they are super, super, super soft, and they're terrific. They're 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 amazing. We'll put a link to these. You can buy them on Amazon. Like I said, yeah. they're they come out. I think six, like three, four dollars a piece. Yeah, you uh, turned me on to those many years ago, and I haven't used anything but those cloths. They, yeah, they've been yeah. the perfect solution. And they last, and and you can wash them. But when you wash them, don't wash them in water in soap. Just rinse them out really good with hot water and then put them on the back of a chair. It'll dry in an hour or two. And and, and they last. It's an amazing People buy these these, these cloths for like $20, $30 a piece. And, and all they do is move water around. They don't do anything. These work great. So um, check those out. Uh, the other thing that um, I use like crazy now are, are two apps. And... One of them is called Photo Pills. It's a great name. I'm sure some of you know about Photo Pills. Uh, it's an app for um, your mobile devices. I think they even have some online information. I know they have a website that we're going to link for you. But it's Photo Pills, P-I-L-L-S, like what we take. And it has sun information, moon information, depth of field hyperfocal, uh, star trails, night photography, a lot about night photography. There's a timer in there. There's information on time lapses. It's just a whole um, academy, I think they call it, of information in there. And it's just amazing, amazing photo pills. Um, the, other, uh, the other app that I use that I'm learning to use I use it generally, but I think that there's a lot more to it than I'm even using. It's called Sunset Weather, and it's abbreviated WX. So it'll be Sunset WX. Uh, I think it's about two ninety nine on Apple. I'm not sure. But it is so accurate for predicting sunrises and sunsets. Um, and you can check that out, too, online or, or in the stores. Um, it's really a great thing. Uh, Sunset WX and it's really amazing uh, check that out and then lastly some of you know that you know we, there's a lot of water up here where we live and um, <laughs> and uh, you know putting crazy boots on us it's the older you get the more of a pain in the neck it is and I have really gotten to love these boots. Uh, they call them Neos boots, N-E-O-S. And they actually slip on over your hiking boot. So you don't have to replace the hiking boot. You still keep your hiking boot up. Put these on, and they have a couple different sizes. Uh, some come right up to your knee, and some come up to your 
calf, and I think they even make one that goes even higher. I'm not sure. But they are amazing, and they're not expensive, and and, and they really allow you to get into some places. Um, I, I, I wouldn't... I wouldn't be wearing them, wear them if you're on a really slippery hillside because the traction's not wonderful. But um, boy, they do the job, you know, just standing in the in the, in the waves a little bit on the ocean and in some of the streams up here. NEOS, and I, we're going to put a link on there. You can buy them in outdoor photo gear. They've got uh, they stock all the sizes and what have you. There'll be a link for that. Yeah, up there. those are great. I mean, they're not they're not a hundred percent waterproof like a rubber boot would be but they're highly highly you know they're water resistant and partially waterproof so you know as a slip-on boot they're just an amazing piece of kit to, to throw in your trunk especially like going out to the beach throw them on over your regular footwear or your boots and you're instantly out there sanding in the water without getting wet feet yeah but you know for me i get wet regardless of you know when I go to the beach, so I always tell my folks when we get to the ocean, somebody's going to go home with wet feet. Yep, uh, it's just the way it is. But I'll tell you, and, and John, uh, uh, this is a little surprise to you. I'll send you the link for this. You can put up on. Uh, I bought. <laughs> it's a funny looking thing, but it's an electric shoe and boot dryer. Oh my god! You ever seen those? I have. I think. It's, Forty bucks on Amazon. Wow! And it's made by a company called Pete P E E T, and um, you know it's quiet. It, they claim it deodorizes. Um, uh, and it's you know you plug it in, and it's just like a light. It uses same as a light bulb. Um, it's warranted for twenty five years. This thing. And it's just convection, and it and it it, it gets blown up into your shoe, um, and it removes so uh, you know water and and I don't know about odor. I haven't paid attention to that yet. Maybe that's a good thing um, or a bad thing. Uh, and it and they claim it's good for neoprene and fleece microfiber. I ought to try it on the cloths. Uh, I'm going to put a thing up for this. I, I took it up to Olympic with me last week, and it was pouring rain, and my 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 feet were soaked. Put the boots on them, went to bed. By the time I got up in the morning, they were nice and warm and completely dry. Huh? Yeah. Yes. Nice. I might have to get me one of those. Just, just it, it was amazing. It was just absolutely amazing. Wow. P P E E T. Uh, it's called the original two shoe electric shoe and boot dryer, and um, I'm looking at it on Amazon as I talk to you here, and they've got 2,304 customer reviews at four and a half stars. Wow. So. Well, take, we'll put that uh, link up in the notes to this podcast up on wetalkphoto.com. So if you guys want to check it out. Yeah, and you know, John, I'm going to send you a link. I put a little article up on my blog of some of the tulips that I shot. You ought to do the same. So All folks, right, yeah. Folks can sure. I think you did a video or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Jack, speaking maybe, of spending yeah. money on stuff, I think kind of the last topic that we wanted to touch on today was I was I was having a conversation with one of our good listeners to the podcast, and and he and I were debating. He just bought a new camera, a new tripod. And, is he the one? Hmm. Is he the one? Which one? Is he the one? He's, is he the listener? 
he he is the listener, yes. But he, you know, so he just uh, you know bought some new gear, and we were talking about workshops, and and he said, you know, I just spent all my money on uh, on camera gear. I don't, I don't have any more disposable income to spend on on going to a workshop, and that got us into this great conversation around spending money on gear versus spending money on experiences or developing your craft, and. And and I think it's a it's a fine line that we need to walk as we as we spend money on this photography business or hobby that we have of how much gear do you buy versus how much experience slash craft or artistry building do you need to fund each year? So I thought that was a great topic. What do you have to say about that, Jack? I think that if you don't have any gear, why would you need a workshop? Yeah. Everybody's got some gear, but do you need the latest, the greatest, you know? Well, you need good equipment, but it's going to give you the chance to make a good photograph. And I've been saying for years that uh, folks should um, put put part of their budget aside for education. And that's all dependent on what they they feel that's necessary. Um, Workshops are great. And you, uh, you always um, benefit from um, being with a group or with an instructor more than you, I think you'll get on YouTube uh, or any place like that. But um, you know, if you're going to spend money, you're going to need need to know how to use it. And whether you do a workshop with us or with anybody else, it would be good for you to get out and and do that not only that not only are you going to learn stuff you're going to get motivated a lot a lot more uh, what have you I can't and I, this is my business so it sounds like I'm just saying this because this is what I do I, I took workshops you know I, for years and if I had the time right now I'd probably take more uh, believe it or not and that's how you know you get motivated that's how you learn you learn from seeing and being hands-on uh i think that's just you know my opinion no i i just think you're 100 percent right i'm like you i'm a continual learner as well i want to learn every all the time i want to learn new things and and for me i use the word education and, and that education spending money on education it could be workshops it could be um an educational course it could be a subscription to something the most bang for the buck I've found has been taking workshops where you do get that hands-on with an instructor. You you uh, interact and get inspired and motivated by other people in the workshops. And to me, that's kind of the biggest bang for the buck from a learning perspective. And, you know, I think, I think a lot of us always want to be better photographers than what we are. And that's constant learning. And Try to figure out for yourself what that education needs to be for you, and as you said, Jack, spend the you know devote a portion of your budget to de- developing that education every yeah. year. You know what it is? It's not it's not the tangible stuff you learn in workshop. It's the intangible stuff. You, you, you might learn you know when not to shoot. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, you learn. Uh, you know, refusing to take an image in in any condition that's not perfectly ideal is sometimes okay, and it's only little intangible things. Uh, 
um, that that I think you, you get more so than, well, you shoot this at F11 and a 125th. You can read that in the book. That's changed in 50 years, yeah. 100 years. Um, but it's like the intangible stuff, and that's where I think the benefit of being with someone in the field really will help you out. Uh, and, and other like-minded folks, because, you know, it, it, you touched on a little earlier how you learn from some of the workshop attendees. I mean, there's a lot of really knowledgeable people that take workshops, and, and I've learned an incredible amount from other folks on the workshops, not just the the leader of the workshop. I can news you. I learn from them, too. Yeah. I, every time I teach a workshop, I come home with something. Everyone. Yeah, that's, that's great. Everyone. That's fantastic. Well, anyway, I think we've beat... Uh, this podcast to death you think i think we have i think it's i think it's time um one so, thing wait, 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 one more thing okay and i did i'm gonna let you all go um for you fuji uh xt3 owners and xh1 owners and the new xt30 owner owners uh new firmware is out as of yesterday i believe yep i just downloaded uh, it and it's uh, quite extensive. Um, if you're taking people's pictures that have faces and eye detection, it's a lot better. The AF has been improved. I think they improved the touch screen from what I'm hearing um, and some other things. Uh, I think they also uh, addressed some issues they had with the uh, image transfer situation. Um, Anyhow, it, it's uh, a lot, so I would suggest uh, doing what I have not done yet, which I will do t- tonight or tomorrow morning, is upgrade my camera to the newest firmware, and you can do that on Fuji's site. Um, it's now, uh, I think for the X-T3, it's now version 3. The last version was uh, 2.1, I believe, so... Mm-hmm. It'd be a good thing to do. Yep, always good to keep your software, your firmware, sorry, up to date on both the camera bodies and the lenses as well. You know, you can do your firmware updates now uh, via your iPhone. Yeah, through the app, through the uh, uh, Fuji app. Yep. Yeah, I'm going to try that. That's why I'm going. That's why I haven't done it yet. Unless I'm going to make that work. It'd be yeah, a lot easier. Pretty cool. Pulling memory cards in and out. Pretty cool. All right. Well, thanks for that last little bit, Jack. And uh, with that, I think we're going to sign off. Just a quick reminder, subscribe. Um, another reminder, if you guys want to hear us talk about anything or have any have any cool topics you want us to explore, feel free to send us an email at wetalkphoto at gmail.com. And with that, I'll say thanks for listening. Uh, I'll say the same, and I'll be off to the Smokies. You never know what I'll come back with. All right. We're looking forward to it, Jack. Okay. Talk to you later. Take care.